Well, welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. We are here in uh, No Limits Archery, Denver, Colorado. Nice snowy morning out here. Um, Bo Theory, that's yeah. how you pronounce your last name, right? Correct. Theory. Okay. Yeah. Bo has been kind enough to uh, come into the shop early today um, before it even opens. And we're going to kind of go through an arrow build. I think this is going to be the first in a series of more technical podcasts that we're going to try to launch here. Um, also with us is Kyle McKell. Is that how you say your last name? Yeah, Michael. Michael, Michael whatever. Mm-hmm. Kyle's running on zero sleep because it was snowing for the last <laughs> what, 16 hours. Yeah. You've been for, plowing all night, haven't you? Yeah. yeah it's just, been good. So. <laughs> Kyle like, passes out in the corner. We'll just uh, take a 30 minute nap, like there you said. There you go. <laughs> That's fine. So um, we do need to honor Bo's time today because, like we said, we're in the shop today. Um, business hours are going to open in a little bit, and you have to open the doors yes. for customers. Yes, I do. I'll be doing doing stuff like this all day today, every day, it seems like. So, many, so we're, we're going to focus on building arrows today. Yep. Um, we're kind of walk through the process of, a, say, someone out there gets a box of arrows, like what's the first step, and then we're going to take that all the way to the conclusion of an arrow that's ready to shoot yeah. out your bow. How many... Just a little side note, on an average week, how many arrows do you build? Oh, geez. I've never counted, um, but I'll tell you what, during the busy season that, uh, you know, our, our archery season starts in September, so that June, July, August, everybody getting ready for archery elk and antelope and, and deer and stuff, but um, usually that time of year, I, I'd say I probably build 20 dozen plus arrows a Dang. day. A lot of those are pre-fletched. Mm-hmm. So, you know, coming in the box from the manufacturers, um, already ready to go. You know, we just help them work through what exactly they're hunting, how heavy does their arrow ideally want to be for their particular draw length in the bow that they shoot. Um, and then that'll help us obviously determine the arrow. Once that arrow's determined, like I said, if it's pre-fletched, it's quick. I can put it on the arrow saw, cut it real quick to length, um, and then, you know, insert it up and they're sure. kind of out the door. Um, aside from hopefully they bring their bow in. So if you're listening to this and you're going to come by the shop, please bring your bow. Um, that way I can help you select your, uh, your arrow length. Um, and I can also tune your bow and make sure that arrow's performing nice. properly out of that nice. bow. Well, let's start there. Say someone does come in, they've got their bow, they've got a dozen arrows. In this case, we've got a couple blank shafts yep. um, from victory. That first step, you said finding the length of the arrow. Like, well, how do you determine that? Where yeah, that so like? so uh, depending upon the arrow shaft manufacturer, uh, most manufacturers are going to offer a tune chart. Okay, a lot of times it's on the back of the box, or they'll send out a, you know a lot of these shops such as uh, such as ours here. Um, we'll get a uh, a booklet. Okay, um, and it'll have the tune chart in it for each specific arrow. So, like Victory, for instance, Victory's awesome with it. Um, they actually make a tune chart for every specific arrow model that they built. Oh, really? Okay, where um, Easton does that at times as well, um, but for the most part, a lot of their hunting arrow selection charts, it's a broad spectrum. Okay, it's 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 there for axis arrows, full metal jackets, their hex, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Where, like I said, Victory will offer a arrow chart for each specific arrow. Vaps have their own chart, rips have their own chart, um, all that stuff, which is really cool. Um, they also in that chart are going to specify components that fit in those arrows. So they have some components that fit in those arrows uh, that are heavier. They'll be made of steel. Okay. Uh, when you add a lot of weight to the front of an arrow shaft, uh, what happens is it makes the arrow act weaker. Okay. So I have to take that into account when I try mm-hmm. to figure out somebody's arrow length. 
Um, and the reason for it is, is if I have somebody that comes in that has a really long draw length and they want to put a lot of weight up front, well, off the bat, I already know his arrow's going to be fairly long because he's a big guy sure. or gal. Sure. Okay. Um, but I know that they're going to have, you know, a fairly long arrow and the longer that that arrow is, okay, the less weight I can really put on the end of it because there's more material to flex. Okay. As I cut the arrow down, it gets stiffer. So for myself, um, I have a fairly short draw length. Um, well, some people would say average, but I got about a 28 inch draw length, 28 and a half, depending upon the bow. Um, but in that particular uh, setup, I know in the way I like to cut my arrows, I know I can cut them really short I'll actually cut them really close to my launcher. So, uh, my arrow rest specifically speaking, the launcher comes out and lifts my arrow. Um, I want the end of my arrow or the end of my component of that arrow. Cause all components fit differently to be about a quarter inch in front of my launcher. Okay. That's me though. Okay. What a lot of people don't realize is when you do that, it brings that broadhead back inside the riser. Okay. And above your hand. So if you're holding the bow incorrectly, you're going to come back to me looking like my old shop teacher missing a finger. So, um, <laughs> you got to keep that in mind. If you're holding the bow, with a, with a relaxed hand, your fingers are down. You can get away with that. Um, I personally recommend to most that come in here to cut our arrows at the end of the riser or an inch in front. Okay. Somewhere in that, that realm. Helps, yeah. Um, the reason for that is, is I don't have to worry about you coming back looking like my yep. shop teacher. You get okay, enough clearance. Exactly. Yeah. You get enough clearance. It also allows for a bigger broadhead. A lot of guys like to shoot bigger broadheads. Um, I'm on the smaller broadhead side of things. Um, I find they seem to fly a little bit better and easier to tune. But for those that like to shoot a big inch and a quarter fixed blade head, um, I have to worry about obviously clearance from the riser. So, um, that arrow length also, um, you know, is, cool. is a factor to make sure they can shoot those heads. Um, let's talk about the cutting itself. Uh, yeah. You guys obviously do lots, you know, thousands of arrows. So it makes sense for you to have a good saw. But yep. what about someone at home? Like, does it make sense for them to have a saw? What kind of saw should they yeah, be so, picking up? Or? So, um, there's, in my mind, there's two thoughts on that. Um, most people aren't going to cut enough arrows to justify buying a saw personally. Uh, the reason why I say that, um, is like, for instance, for, for us here, um, I know we charge, if somebody comes in with a, a set of arrows that didn't come from us and they want us to cut them, mm -hmm. uh, we charge 50 cents a cut. Okay. On the, on the lower end for arrows, uh, or arrow saws, excuse me, um, that I can think of off the top of my head, there used to be a couple saws out there. You could buy them for like 150 bucks. Okay. That's a lot of arrows to make up $150, right? Yeah. right? Um, now, the second thought process to that is for a guy that wants to be solely independent or is far enough away from an archery shop. I mean, I talk to guys that come down here from Wyoming, um, talk to guys from, you know, Nebraska, even Kansas, where they're like, hey, I don't have anything near me. Right. We come all the way to Denver to get our bows worked on or get arrows and all this other stuff. That makes sense. For those guys, yeah. to buy a $150 saw, where they can, you know, have the saw at home, learn how to use it, um, order arrows online and, and be sole, you know, solely sufficient. Um, for those guys, it makes sense. But for the vast majority, I would say it's probably not worth it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I totally get that. Or maybe you've got a big family, all your kids shoot. Yeah. Or you got, you know, a bunch of, like you said, maybe a couple of buddies go together and yeah. pitching for the saw, the saw together. You know, and, and that's a great, uh, a great point that I didn't think about. Yeah, I get a bunch of guys together um, to do it. Um, target archers, if anybody's listening to this that are really getting into target archery, that's another exception. I'd probably buy a saw. Um, specifically for the aspect, if you are going to mess around with different arrow setups, you will drive guys in the shop 
nuts specifically <laughs> if you shoot recurve bows yep. not picking on recurve shooters but compound guys aren't so bad um because you have to kind of a cut once cut twice type thing um to try to figure out the length and the point weight that works the best um but for recurve shooters um arrow stiffness is super critical mm-hmm. um so i mean i get times where i'll have you know some olympic recurve shooters in here and they'll they'll hand me an arrow and i'll cut it and i'll see them a week later and they want me to cut an, like an eighth inch off I'm like, really? It's that precise. It's that precise on some of those bows. So, um, for those, yes, get a saw, um, for the average guy or that somebody that's close to a shop. Um, I wouldn't worry too much. I can help you out. Sure. Okay. So, uh, you get your arrows cut. Yep. And, uh, next step after that. Yeah. So, um, assuming that this arrow's cut, oh, this is a brand new arrow. Um, but assuming that it was cut, we had the length chosen. Um, first thing I always do is I'll grab a silver Sharpie. Okay. The reason why I do that is I'm actually going to color the end of the arrow shaft, uh, by coloring the end of the arrow shaft, I'll be able to put it on a square. Okay. And make sure that the end of that arrow is perfectly true. Okay. Uh, the reason why we need to do this is aerosaw does a great job of cutting the arrow and cutting it arrow fairly true. Um, but the downside is, is if, you know, the arrow supported on one end, okay, in the knock receiver of the saw, and then you're holding onto the arrow shaft and applying pressure onto the blade. Well, depending upon the stiffness of the arrow and where exactly you're holding it, okay, it's going to cause the arrow to flex slightly, mm-hmm. okay, and give you, you know, an off cut, okay, it won't be perfectly 90 degrees. So we want to make sure that the end of this arrow is perfectly square. Uh, and the reason for that is, like I said, when we go to put in a, comp- a component on there, any kind of insert or collar system, if that arrow's not square and there's any type of slop inside the arrow shaft and its component fit, as small as just a couple thousandths, which really, I mean, it's really a micro, di- you know, oh, micro yeah. uh, measurement. But even just a couple thousandths will kick that that insert, that com- collar, whatever it may be, whatever the component is, it'll kick it off a true. And then when we go to put broadheads on it, broadheads start to wobble, and that makes it even it just worse. exaggerates it even exactly. more. Exactly stacking, you know, tolerances on top of each other. Well, when you do that, you have very little room yep. for error. So there's a couple different arrow saws on the market or excuse me, arrow uh, squares on the market. Um, this one here is made by G5. It's an absolute phenomenal square. Uh, another one that we use here at the shop is actually made by a uh, Luminoc. Most people know them, um, for their lighted knocks, but they actually make a pretty awesome, um, square. Um, but anyway, and those so, aren't, those aren't, you know, that expensive. No, right? not so at all. I want to say, I want to say, yeah, square. get your own square for sure. If you're doing anything with components, okay. Even if you go to a shop and get your arrows cut and you want to assemble everything else, put mm-hmm. your inserts in or anything like that. Um, absolutely have a square. Okay. Absolutely. Hands down. Um, the G five square, I want to say it's like 35 or 40 bucks. The last time I looked, it's been a long time. Um, but I don't think it's really gone up. Um, unfortunately off the top of my head, the, uh, the square from, um, Luminoc, I, I couldn't tell you. Okay. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Um, but anyway, um, I like the Luminoc square personally. Um, G5 actually just did come out with a new square. So this actually, this one might be kind of phasing out, but their new square is absolutely dynamite. Um, but anyway, so I'll go ahead and lay the arrow down on the square. Um, and all I'm doing is I'm essentially just rolling that arrow across um, the square. There's a little abrasion, uh, you know, to on the end of this. This particular one here allows you to, to select what type of grit sandpaper you want to use. Uh, and that sandpaper sticks right onto that, that block. Um, and that's what will file down the end of that arrow shaft and get it perfectly square. Um, the G5 squares have two uh, two-sided cutting bit uh, one side's for aluminum the other side's for carbon mm-hmm. um these uh um, 
that particular one works absolutely phenomenally. Um, allows me to, um, you know, like I said, if somebody comes in with like an aluminum shaft, um, I can cut it really, really well. Um, the sandpaper works well, um, but it's not great. All okay. Right. Um, now, obviously we talked about putting the uh, silver Sharpie on there. That silver Sharpie is completely gone. As you can see, um, hundred percent square. Um, I know it's square because the Sharpie's gone. Okay. It's cut it all down. Um, and allow me to fit a component uh, to a direct one-to-one -one fit and no, and no slop on the end of that shaft. Cool. Okay. Um, now that that's done, you could install inserts right away. Um, you don't have to. I usually end up just kind of bouncing around. Um, inserts are generally one of my last things I'll do. Um, but just to show you on this particular arrow shaft, it uses what's called a half out meaning half of the insert is exposed on the exterior of the arrow shaft. Um, this one here uh, for this gold tip, I believe this was a rip TKO. Yep. Um, this insert here is made of aluminum. They make a 60 grain steel version, um, but that'll just slide right in the end of that arrow real nice and tight. Okay. And it fits like a glove. I should have an arrow uh, spinner here because um, you could see the actual fit. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, Garrett, if you could grab me that. Grab me the one just to the left of that, please. Thank you. So this arrow spinner is going to allow me to test that fit between the component and the arrow shaft. Now, this is a 1,000th arrow shaft, so it should spin fairly true. Um, the arrow shaft itself, because of its overall length, there may be a slight bit of wobble in it. But if we look at this particular one, laser straight, that insert spinning really true uh, and i know with a good quality broadhead on there that broadhead should spin true too nice. um, and fly quite well make it easy to tune once you're done squaring it up you know you've mm -hmm. put it through either the the luminocker or the g5 device do you have to clean it at all yeah do you get so, little carbon dust in there yeah, that have to get removed exactly exactly so in that instance uh q-tip works perfectly uh depending upon the arrow diameters um like micro diameter arrows 166s victory vaps easton injections um gold mm -hmm. tip pierces a q-tip can be difficult to slide in there um, but you always want to use some sort of solvent to try to help pick up any of that uh um any in, of that dust in this case you're using in this case i'm using acetone gotcha. yeah yeah i'll use acetone in this case um i've used um rubbing alcohol before um okay acetone just has a tendency you know we we keep it a lot here around the shop and the reason why we do that is it helps us clean up any kind of uh glue residue if we were starting um with an already fletched mm -hmm. arrow and we're doing a, a fletching repair uh, it'll allow us to go ahead and clean off excess glue on the exterior of the shaft, and I'm not going through as much. Um, that makes sense. As much rubbing alcohol, but you can see how much dust came out of the inside of that arrow shaft. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, really critical to clean the inside of the arrow. Um, if we don't do that, the glue has a tendency to just bind to the um, the dust. Okay. And that dust obviously is yeah. not solid, it's, right? Yep. So, um, a lot of people that have issues, if you've, if you've built your own arrows before and you're listening, um, if you're having issues with tips pulling out, okay. Or your inserts, whether it be half out, um, or anything like that, chances are it's not getting thoroughly cleaned. Okay. So running a, a Q-tip down there with some rubbing alcohol or acetone is perfect. Sure. All right. Um, like I said, I already showed you the fit there. Um, there's multiple different types of glue you can use to fit an insert like this. Um, I use here at the shop, uh, insert weld, um, glue. 
works phenomenal. Uh, it comes uh, in a little, what is this, one ounce tube, just like this. Um, last us, I mean, geez, we build a bunch of arrows, but it really does not take much mm -hmm. glue to, to work. Um, so just like any super glue, less is more, generally speaking. Gotcha. Let me stop you right there. Before you're actually gluing in insert, mm -hmm. say you do your spin test mm -hmm. and it's not perfect, mm -hmm. like laser straight, like you were saying, there is a little bit of wobble. What are you, I mean, what are some troubleshooting options you can look at at that so, point? So depending upon um, the arrow and component fit, it could be just as simple as the component having a little bit of slop in it, okay? Mm -hmm. um, if it's that, what I have a tendency to do, like in this instance, we went ahead and put this arrow on and I spun it and it spun true, right? I'm happy with that fit. Now, I may be able to put that arrow or that component on another arrow that isn't quite as true or the components don't mesh very well. Now in this instance, like I said, this is a RIP TKO Elite, so it's a 1000 straightness, so it's really high quality. And Victory does a good job with their components. So in this instance, this one's spinning just as well, and heck, I haven't even squared it yet. So that's, that's really awesome. Okay. Um, but at times, I'll get an arrow that doesn't spin as true, and I'll get a, comp a component that isn't quite perfect. Yep. Well, sometimes I can go ahead and I can sort through them and I'll find which component fits best with what arrow. Um, and then there's always the exception where for whatever reason it is just the component and all your arrows are awesome, which we all hope they are. Um, and you kind of have to just live with it a little bit, set it gotcha. aside, use it as an arrow that you practice with. Um, for, for the actual shooting and tuning application, um, the arrows themselves with a field point on it, will fly just fine. Nice. Um, it's just something that maybe I'll change the color of the knock or I'll mark okay. it and I'll just use it for a, a range arrow. All right. Um, but anyway, uh, multiple glues. Like I said, we went over the insert weld. Um, there's a glue that I really like to use if I'm experimenting with components. Um, and that glue would be, this is, it was a huge block of it. Um, it's made by boning. It's called uh, cool flex and it's essentially like a, um, a glue stick, you know, um, for like a hot glue gun. Sure. Okay. You heat up the glue, you'll work it onto the component. Um, and then you'll, you know, wave that, that glue over the flame, making sure it stays soft. And then you'll go ahead and insert that. Okay. Um, the benefit to using a component like that, uh, and the reason, or excuse me, a glue like that. And the reason why I like to use a glue like that is that if for whatever reason I ding up my component, like a half out, um, they can bend. Okay. They can, uh, most of the time I don't have any issues with it, but if you hit something really hard, a lot of times the, the component could bend. Um, and if the component bends, um, I can heat it up and pull it out. I can inspect the arrow. If the arrow's still in good shape, Oh, I see. I can go Just ahead replace, and replace the yeah. component and I'm back a hundred percent. So, um, that's what I like about using the cool flex. Um, I also like to use it on target shafts. Uh, and the reason why I use it on target shafts is I'll, I'll be able to, um, pull out a glue in point. If it gets dinged up or if I need to pull that glue uh, in point out and add weight to it, um, I could either replace a point or add weight uh, depending upon what kind of systems they use. Cool. Um, but anyway, that's the two glues um, that I use predominantly. Um, allows me to, you know, uh, like I said, fluctuate with, with components, especially like in these arrows with multiple different insert systems. Mm -hmm. um, I can put the lighter inserts in, you know, a couple of them. I can put heavier inserts in another one and then and test them out and see which ones seem to perform best for me. All right. So once we have the component on here, um, with whatever glue you choose to use, okay, we have to get 
the fletchings on. Okay. Now fletchings are going to be dependent upon what kind of broadhead you use. Now, in order to not take up too much time, uh, we're going to just go ahead and jump right into it uh, with an arrow or a fletching made by AAE. Um, this one happens to be a Max Stealth. This is what I would suggest for most people using fixed blade broadheads. Um, they make a multitude of different sizes, um, but this vein has has a tendency to be our most popular um, mm -hmm. with with Western big game bow hunters hunting a lot of elk. A lot of guys like to use the fixed blades. Yep. Um, the jig I'm going to show you how to use today is going to be made by Bitsenberger. Uh, we do carry these here at the shop. Uh, it's the jig that we use for all of our fletching needs here. Um, heck, I've got five of them, I think, sitting down here below the counter. Um, I went ahead and grabbed a brand new jig in order to be able to show um, you all um, who are, can watch this um, how to actually set the jig up. Okay, so on the bottom of the jig, um, first of all, there's three little set screws. Okay, those three set screws are there in order for you to select whether you want to run a three fletch or a four fletch. Okay, um, in this particular instance with this vein size, I find a three fletch to work great with most setups. Um, so that's what I had pre um, uh, set it to. Um, but essentially, in the Bitsenberger jig, there's a little Allen wrench. It drops right inside one of those set screws. You'll tighten it up to select your specific oh, you. yeah. need. Yeah. Um, like I said, the next one would be a, you know next to or four fletch. You'd essentially just drop it in the drop it in the three fletch configuration. You'd back it out. And then you'd go ahead and set it in the four fletch, turn it in, and that would be allowing you to select um, what uh, three or four fletch, what fletching configuration you would prefer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now this one, like I said, is already set to three fletch. Now it's a brand new jig, has never never fletched an arrow yet. Um, so what I need to do is I need to go ahead and select um, the degree of angle that the jig is set at in order to make sure the vein sits fully on the arrow shaft. So um, on the jig, you'll see these two um, little knobs on here. Okay, I've already loosened them up so you can see the jig actually move. Okay, that helps set that vein onto the arrow shaft properly. Now this particular jig I grabbed is a right helical jig. Um, I, I personally like to use a, a helical jig uh, whenever possible. But um, because the clamp itself has a twist to it, okay, I can't set the jig up perfectly evenly okay and expect the entire vein to fit okay yep. and i'll try to eyeball it real quick so you guys can see that let's see if there it goes so if i set it up perfectly straight oh, slid some. a lot of times the front of the vein on a lot of these helical jigs won't even be touching the arrow shaft okay that's a problem Mm -hmm. We need to have. Yeah, I can see a little bit of a gap in there. Exactly. We need to be able to have that that base of that vein seat on that arrow shaft completely. Okay. That way, we make sure that that glue is adhering that vein no problem. Right. We don't have any issues. So in this instance, I'm going to go ahead and rotate the clamp forward in that front on the front side of the vein in order to make sure that I'm going to get complete adhesion and that vein sits fully. Now, once I find that position, I will go ahead and tighten up this little bolt right here and make sure that's nice and firm. You don't have to torque it down uh, real hard. Um, and that just locks that dial in place so exactly. that it doesn't move and it's repetitive for exactly. every arrow you're going to do. Exactly, exactly. Um, it allows me to um, go ahead and fletch that arrow, make sure it's, um, you know, gonna the, that that fletching is gonna sit on there well, um, and it allows it to be locked down to where if I ever needed to repair it, I can 
exactly duplicate it. Gotcha. I can exactly duplicate it. Now there is a way, um, and I've, I've done this here at the shop multiple times for, uh, for customers coming in. There is a way to set up one of these jigs where you can literally fletch any diameter arrow with any fletching. Hmm. They always fit. Okay. Um, now it doesn't allow you to fluctuate, um, with the amount of offset or helical, but, um, it does allow you to, no matter what arrow you shoot, you know, you can always replicate it and it's not like, Oh shoot, where was it set up before? But anyway, um, this particular jig now, like I said, I've set the angles. I'll back the vein off a touch so you can see that the vein's not touching the arrow shaft. Yep. I'll work it right back down and you'll see that that vein fits the entire arrow shaft. The base covers completely. Um, there's no lifted edges, um, or anything of that nature. So I know once I apply some glue, I've got a hundred percent contact with the base of that vein and the arrow shaft, and it should adhere quite well. Now, um, one of the reasons why I chose AAE veins for this particular, um, podcast is AAE is very critical on arrow cleaning. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you do not use their process, they will not stick. Really? I promise you. Okay. So they offer a, uh, adhesion kit. It's, uh, $25, $30, I believe. Um, and it's going to come with the wipes. It's going to come with a primer pen and a one ounce bottle of their max bond glue. If you use those three items together in the correct order, it take everything in a Mack truck to pull these things off. Nice. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and open this up here. I'm going to grab one wipe. And the one one wipe will cover a dozen arrows. So, I mean, there's like 20 wipes in there. So you've got, you know, more than enough wipes to do a bunch, yep. um, especially if you're fletching for a bunch of buddies or your family or anything like that. So you're just going to wipe it down and then let it dry. Exactly. Wipe it down, let it dry. Um, it doesn't take very long for the, uh, um, the, the cleaner from the wipe to dry. Um, I'll go ahead and, and wipe both of these arrows down. Um, it doesn't take very long for that to dry at all. Um, and I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll show you how quickly all this stuff bonds. Um, it's really quite amazing actually. Um, but anyway, like I said, one wipe would generally work mm -hmm. on a dozen arrows. Um, I recommend when you take the wipes, um, I mean, heck, you can see the amount of yep. a little bit it of dust that came off of that arrow shaft. Two arrows have picked up quite a bit of stuff. Exactly. Um, I recommend, though, when you do open up the wipes, um, it does have the little deal to seal it back up. Slide that in a Ziploc bag. Okay. Just so it doesn't dry out. Just so it doesn't gotcha. dry out. I know it's sealed, um, but I, they do have a tendency to dry out. We use them enough here at the shop that rarely ever do I have a pack dry out before cool. I wear out of, wear out of veins. Um, now, for instance, I wipe these down. Heck, they're already almost completely dry. Um, this one's actually dry enough that I could start fletching. And do you recommend that people do one at a time when they clean it or clean all 12, hang them off something, and then? Um, you can clean all 12. Uh, the biggest thing you need to realize that the cleaner is there to remove the dust and remove any oil. Okay. There's a lot of oil on your hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, you just got to realize once you wipe them down where your veins are getting applied, don't touch it. Okay. If you're going to grab the arrow and you need to manipulate it, grab it by the knock and grab it by a section that is not going to have a vein contact. Yep. Um, that way we know it's completely clean. Okay. Now, um, at the veins, when we do the primer on the veins, I, re I recommend really doing the veins one at a time. Okay. The reason for that is, um, is it's a chemical bond between the uh, primer, the glue, and a little bit of the wipe. Okay. The, the, there's a tiniest, tiniest bit of residue from that wipe, the tiniest bit. Um, but there's a little bit of a chemical reaction between those that really allow it to hear and adhere really quickly. 
So um, when you do the wipes, or excuse me, the pen, you put a vein in the clamp, okay? You squeeze the clamp, obviously the clamp mm -hmm. opens up. Um, you'll drop that vein inside there. There's multiple hash marks um, on the uh, the clamp itself, and that'll help you determine what height you may want it at, and you'll be able to replicate that every time. Um, in this instance, um, I think I'm going to go with the third line. Um, now let's go to the second line. I think that's where I originally started setting up that jig. Does it make a big yeah, difference cool. really how far it is, how far the fletching is from the, from the knock, or is just consistency the most important? Um, yes and yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, consistency obviously is a big deal. Um, the reason why we want to pay attention to the hash marks though. If we fletch too far back, okay, and, and this may take some trial and error. So for those fletching arrows, you might want to fletch one where you think you may want the vein. Mm -hmm. Have somebody there with you, okay? Um, and the reason why I say this is you're going to knock that arrow onto the bowstring. You're going to draw the bow back and anchor like you were to shoot. Generally speaking, I like to have a buddy there to be able to look to see where the veins are in correspondence to my face, okay? I got you. I don't want the vein right. to contact my face. Okay, if that fletching contacts my face or any portion of the arrow contacts my face, I'm actually going to apply a little bit of a lateral pressure to yep. that arrow, yep. and that's going to affect accuracy. So you may have to fletch them far enough forward to where they clear your face and you maximize accuracy. Um, but ideally, because the fletchings create drag, and it's actually kind of working off a of leverage, okay, in correspondence with the tip, mm -hmm. the further your veins are fletched back, generally the quicker they stabilize. It's like instantaneous. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I shouldn't say instantaneous, but they will um, they will stabilize quicker. Okay, the further they are back. But like I said, don't don't let them touch your face. All right. So in this instance, I I chose the uh, the notch that I wanted the vein to be sitting on in the clamp. You can see that that vein is pressed into that clamp completely, and only the base of the vein is exposed. Yep. From here, I'll use the primer pen. Like I said, when we fletch these arrows, you only use the primer pen each individual arrow. Close it back up. Go again. Do not try to do a bunch. The reason for it is, is as you put the vein in there and you're trying to move it, you're going to set your thumb on top of that vein to slide it around in the clamp and get it in the position you want it. You're going to get oil. Okay, so it's gonna it's in a struggle to stick, but um, the AAE primer pen um, we're just gonna work that across the vein a couple times. Um, there's a little felt applicator on the end. I just need to make sure that there's a little bit of um, let's see if it's coming out there. It's coming a little bit. Um, making sure that it is applying the solution. Uh, it does, doesn't take a lot. Real thin film. That's all it really takes. Um, We'll run it across the vein once, twice. I did it a bunch of times there just to mm -hmm. make sure that I had some cleaner coming out. And you put the cap back on the pen. And I put the cap back <laughs> on the pen so it doesn't dry out. That way it's ready for the next one, hopefully. Um, now the Max Bond glue. Um, d this is where I find a lot of people will overdo it when they're trying to fletch arrows. Um, it really doesn't take a lot of glue. When it comes to any kind of super glues, less is more. So I actually will just do a couple drops on the base of the vein and then I'll spread it. Okay. I know a lot of guys will, will recommend doing a, a full bead. Um, I find that to be more glue than is necessary. In this instance, I've got five drops on there and I'll go ahead and just use the end of that glue bottle and spread that glue out. Um, you could use, I mean, a Q-tip or anything like that, but that's going to soak up some of that glue. So I just like to use that, that glue bottle and just kind of smear that glue around a little bit. And then I'll go ahead and place it on the jig. Now the jig's magnetic. OK, 
Okay, you could just hear it, boom, it picked up that jig. So once I go ahead and clip it onto that magnet, as you can see, I leave the vein off of the arrow shaft until I know that that jig is completely stuck to that magnet. I'll slide the jig all the way back, okay, to the back side of the knock receiver, and then I'll go ahead and work that jig down. Now, in order for me to keep this clean, I'm going to turn it a little bit, and then I'll slide it right on down and make sure that vein is seated completely. Now in this instance here you can see there's a little bit of glue that came out from the base of the vein. That was only five drops. Mm -hmm. If I ran a full bead, I'd have glue everywhere. Probably be dripping down. Oh there. Yeah, yeah, I'd have glue everywhere. So um, five drops, like I said, is really all you need. Um, and then from this position here, you could wait a little while and then pop the, the clamp off and wipe the glue off. I'm going to wipe the glue off now, at least on this side, and just keep it as clean as I possibly can. Boom, that vein is on there. Now, a lot of guys will wait 30 minutes, or 30 minutes, 30 seconds to a minute um, before they pull it off. I find that this glue will adhere that vein so quickly, 10 to 15 seconds oh, yeah. is all I really need. And realistically- And then you're cleaning up the other side, right? Exactly, away. I'm cleaning up the other side. But like I said, I don't, I don't know how long it's been since I applied that. You can see how hard oh, that wow, vein that. is already yep, on there. That's not coming that off. Hasn't even, I mean, that probably hadn't even been a minute. Right. Right? So like I said, when you use it properly, it's everything and a Mack truck to nice. pull these things off. So I'll go ahead and slide this arrow right back into that jig. Okay. That's where it was set up when I went ahead and dropped the clamp down. Now I'm going to go ahead and rotate that. We had already set it for a three fletch. There's a little detent in here. It tells you exactly where to stop. Okay. So I felt it click, hit that detent and I'll go ahead and apply the next vein. Uh, myself personally, because I'm a little OCD, I like to double check to make sure that I have it lined up exactly where I want it. I'm using that line on the clamp to correspond with my fletching, but I want to make sure that it's exactly the same. That right there I could live with. Cool. So then you're putting on the other veins that are required. In this case, two more veins. If you were doing a four fletch, you'd have four more veins. Maybe three more. Yep. Three, three more veins. Yep. yep. And just keep going through there. So if, let's say you, uh, you're practicing with broadheads and you clip one of the fletchings mm -hmm. on another arrow and you need to remove that vein and replace it, what are your options? Um, or so don't you have any? You do. You do. Um, Generally speaking, you can use a um, exacto knife, okay, a little razor blade knife. Um, you can use a really, you know, fairly sharp pocket knife, and you can actually scrape them off, okay. cut them off. Okay. Um, on an arrow like this, this is a woven arrow. Um, I don't like to do that on woven arrows. So generally speaking, on a woven arrow shaft, I would actually fletch on an arrow wrap. Okay, and an arrow wrap is a vinyl sticker. Mm -hmm. Okay, that essentially you'll roll the arrow across. You'll clean that wrap just like you would uh, with the with the wipes, um, and you'd fletch directly to the vinyl. That makes okay? sense. Okay, by fletching directly to vinyl on a woven arrow, all I have to do is scrape off the vinyl. I don't have to scrape the glue off the carbon. Okay, the reason why scraping glue off of a woven arrow, a carbon woven arrow, um, is an issue, is the glue obviously is designed to stick. It wants to stay. So when you start to scrape on that, if you get a little too aggressive, 
you actually dig into the carbon. Yeah. You're once, removing content of the arrow. Exactly. Once the, you have damaged the, the carbon itself, the structural integrity of that arrow is gone. Okay. So it's very critical on carbon arrows to know that they are a hundred percent just like they were, you know, from the factory. Sure. Okay. If there's nicks, you know, cuts, chips, cracks, they're gone. Incredibly dangerous to shoot an arrow that's, that's damaged. So um, in the case of you, you ruin one fletching by shooting it with another arrow, what you're doing is taking a razor blade, a really sharp knife. You're removing that entire wrap. And Correct. then starting over. Yeah. But that, at least you have a, a very a a structurally intact arrow to, okay. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now you don't have to, I know a lot of folks out there don't like wraps. They like to adhere directly to the carbon um, because there is times where you hit something hard enough with the fletching and the vinyl will tear mm-hmm. and you're starting over again. Um, a lot of people don't like to, to do that, uh, that work, that extra work to replace that wrap. Um, but I find in order to save arrows generally the best way to go that makes sense now you can like i said you can scrape them off of a woven arrow um i don't love it you can um but i have a tendency to get a little frustrated because the glue doesn't want to move and then i get Mm -hmm. a little too overzealous and end up cutting into that carbon so i try to, to refrain from from cutting them off as much as possible so here's that last vein this one here, I'll try to somewhat count and see how long it took mm-hmm. for it to stick. So I just went ahead and applied the primer. I'm putting on a couple of drops. One, two, three, four, I'll do five. I did six on that last one. Five was more than enough. Um, spread that around, just like I mentioned earlier. And I'll go ahead and stick this down. Now, once I stick it down and it touches the arrow shaft, I'll start counting a little bit. So we got one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And I pulled that clamp off. I went ahead and wiped this real quick. Wipe the other side. Yeah, that's not much time at all. No. That goes fast. I mean, that was, that was like I said, eight seconds. Now it's obviously been a little bit longer. And again, yeah, everything. You're, you're flexing the arrow to the I mean, point of it almost. Yeah, I mean, being, every, everything and it's not coming in a off. Mack truck, and it's not coming off. Nice. And you can see how clean that is. I mean, no no excess glue. That's all impressive. The, all the veins are, I mean, just lined up just about perfectly. And that arrow essentially indexed the knock, and that arrow is good to go. Okay. Now, the one thing I did uh, neglect to mention on this particular arrow um, is it is spine aligned. Okay. Victory spine aligns their arrows, so not a lot of other manufacturers do that. Um, so when I put an arrow shaft in a jig and fletch it, I try to look where that spine aligned mark is on this particular mm-hmm. arrow. You can see they actually label that. Um, I try to somewhat orient that the cock vein or your index vein. Okay. In order to match them all exactly. That makes sense. Okay. So, um, this arrow here, essentially, um, you know, assuming we went ahead and put the component in right away, um, and we gave either the cool flex glue time to cure, uh, which it just needs to cool down. That's all you can run it under some cold water and it's boom, it's ready to go. Nice. Um, the, uh, the insert weld that we use takes about 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. You could be shooting the arrow in the same day. All right. 
So um, this one would be ready to go. It would be ready to shoot through uh, through the bow, through some paper, make sure it's operate, you know, coming out of the bow properly, um, and then uh, sighting it in. Cool. So, so yeah. one other quick question I have, and then I know we have to be conscious of your time because yep. you got to open the doors here to the store pretty soon. Yeah. You spent a lot of time squaring up the front of the arrow mm -hmm. where the outsert or insert is going to go. Mm -hmm. What about squaring up? The back. the back where the knock is. Yeah. So generally speaking, um, hundred percent. Yes, I would do that. Um, in this instance for time, I went ahead and, and okay. just did the front because that allowed me to, um, uh, to, to get that done and everybody got to see it, um, or at least hear about it. Um, in this particular instance with this, um, square, which is the reason why I like it so much. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, like I said, G5 did change their square. Um, and I believe you can do this on the new square now. Um, I should call my buddy Brian over there and see uh, what he's got to say. Um, but this particular g um, squaring device would allow me, if I forgot, like in, in this particular instance, I didn't do it for time, but it oh, sounds like we have You're just be a able touch. To square it with the fletchings. I on. can still square it. Now, I'm only going to take this one like one rotation around, and I want to see if this was yep. off of yep. square. Sure enough. Perfect. You can see that tiny little silver dot on there. Okay, there's a little divot yep. in that. So this particular jig allows me to set it up to where even after it's fletched. So even if you bought pre-fletched arrows, mm -hmm. you could square them. You'd know they're perfect. I'll take this just a couple quick passes real lightly. And it should... Yeah, there's quite the ding in that one. Um, it should square it right on up. Yeah, there's quite the ding. And then uh, we, I'd be able to go ahead and reinstall all right. the knock. So you're going to, you, you'll square it to the point where all that silver yep, sharpie is gone. And then you'll clean I, it like you did before and then put yep, the knock back yep, in. Yep. Okay. Now on this particular side, I don't have to be as conscious of <clears throat> how much dust is in there because the knock itself is press fit. Okay. Okay. There's no glue that's trying to hold it in. And realistically, the, uh, um, the, tension of the knock being press fit in there is all it needs to stay nice and they're pretty i mean they're pretty firm there it goes i'll go ahead and index that knock with that fletching most bow setups that would be odd vein up boom and that one would be ready to go with an insert in it and like I said, shoot it through paper and it's it's ready to rip. Um, and then from there, once you get the bow sighted and some broadhead tuning, but we can obviously go awesome. over something like that another time. I agree. Yeah, I think uh, I think we should do more of this. Yeah. Well, well I yeah. mean, it's we could uh, we could call you. Yeah. And then we could do a podcast about it or put that information out there. But I'd rather just I'd hear it. I'd rather hear it straight from you. Yeah. Yeah. You can speak much more intelligently than we can. So. Yeah. Well, um, this is what I do. So, um, if it was, if it was the podcast side of things and the cameras and audio, I would be at loss. Nobody here would be listening to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is, is what I do. Um, arrow builds, bow builds, um, stuff like that. So, um, for anybody that's listening that has questions, feel free to call No Definitely. Limits Archery Definitely. and, uh, ask for me and I'll be happy to, uh, Happy to answer some questions for you um, or talk about arrow builds, bow builds, stuff like that. I enjoy doing cool. it. Uh, real quick, 
do you guys still offer the arrow building workshop? We do. Um, there's, well, there's, there's my phone. How closer? How closer are we over there? Bit, right? um, yeah. So we we do um, here in just a, a little bit. We'll go ahead and get that up on our website and get cool. that rolling. Awesome. So, awesome guys. Well, Bo, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, dude. Yeah. No problem.